What is a zarf? <laughs> a zarf. Uh, you have your you have your zarf just perfectly perfectly positioned. That's Hope Christian Church branding. Right oh, the there. cup is the zarf. No, the zarf is the cardboard. That's what this is called. Around, yeah. The I don't know what the holder for the cup. Yeah, to keep your hand protected. That's what I've always called it at Starbucks. If they forget to hand me the holder, I'm like, can I get that coffee cup holder? Yeah. But I should be asking for a zarf. The the yeah the clinical <laughs> the, the clinical cl- term the clinical term is zarf. <laughs> Excuse me, do you guys have any more zarfs back there? That sounds so weird. I spread this knowledge around, and people don't believe me. They I thought it was I'm... an acronym for no something I was wearing. <laughs> <laughs> my zarf. <laughs> Your zarf is showing, Jack. <laughs> yeah. Take care of that. I was like, am I wearing one around my neck today? A scarf? A zarf. A zarf. Oh, maybe wow. that's it. It's a scarf for is your it? for your coffee. Your... <laughs> yeah, there's no Z involved still. <laughs> it's not a scarf. It's a zarf. It's a scarf for it... your coffee. Yeah. That is a great tagline. Yes. I like it. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, this is Hope Christian Church. We don't need to um, blur it out because this is the Hope Christian Church <laughs> podcast, the atrium. Uh, yeah. Stampin' Zarfs. We've been doing that for years. What was the last show where they had a Starbucks cup or something on the table? Oh, it was Game of Thrones had Ugh. an episode where they got in trouble. Oh, really? Yeah, because they had this the coffee cup like on this medieval f- table where they had oh. a feast. <laughs> <laughs> and a bunch of people saw it. Oh, and it was they a never mistake. It was, they never changed yeah. the the scene. They <laughs> just kept it in there with this the Starbucks cup. Surely by now though they've gone back and like did the digital removal and I mean maybe fixed yeah. it. Yeah, I don't know, maybe not. I guess Star Wars did that. And yeah, like George Lucas. So dumb. Why would they put oh, Job, Job of the Hut digital? Yeah, that was. That's There's weak. some significant changes. Yeah, I've recently I've I've recently gone through those with my son, and um, oh yeah, and he doesn't know the original, so like he doesn't know, like it's not it's not different to him. It's just that's how it is now. Like it's canon. It's everything's been abrogated. It's been oh man, I mean I feel good about that that he's learning about Star Wars, but I do feel sad that he gets today's version. I guess yeah, I mean some of the I thought some of the changes were for the better. Like Which ones? Bigger explosions. <laughs> you know, they Im- improved the explosions of the Death Star and like certain things blowing up, like they made better and more more in line with like the newer movies, I guess. Okay. Yeah. I need to go back and watch it. I have no idea about bigger explosions. Yeah. Well, like Good excuse. every time uh, in the original trilogy, if something explodes and that ring comes out, that like explosion, that ring, like those rings weren't in the original Oh, movies. like those are, those are, uh, yeah, we're at it later. Okay. Yeah. Good. I'm old enough to remember the originals, <laughs> but then I'm also young enough, I guess, to remember when the, the edited ones came out because I had them on VHS. I did. I had the trilogy on VHS and now that's like such a rare item. Yeah. I, I don't know what they go for, but they've probably got to go for a good chunk of money. Oh, I, yeah. The, the I didn't, I didn't set, think about that. The I, set with Darth Vader's face. Yeah, I had that. Yeah. I, uh. I don't know. I don't have it now, though. I wonder if it's in my parents' house. Yeah. Oh, I wonder whatever happened. Should ask them. I'm going to (laughs) set up your eBay account again. I definitely had. I definitely had that. (laughs) Listen, I'm gonna need to, you know, scene by scene, look at these explosions for science. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to go back in time and buy a VHS player. Actually, my parents still have one. They they have like a, a closet full of VHS tapes still. 
<laughs> they're gonna say VHS players. <laughs> <laughs> just have a closet full of them. <laughs> they just collected them over the they're years. They're just the black market of VHS <laughs> players. <laughs> well, we won't make the audience nerd out with us too much, but I know it's just the two of us, so yeah. we're gonna have to keep a, uh, I guess, restrain ourselves, <laughs> right? But speaking of nerdy stuff, I did think of a a good story for everybody to hear about middle schoolers here. Um, I think it was last Wednesday night. We had all the middle schoolers. We had a good amount. We had a good amount of guys in one group, mm-hmm. like 15 middle school guys in one group that night. And we were asking about, we were talking about serving. We're going along with the Now What series. Yeah. And at this point, we're talking about serve. We're connecting people to Jesus through serve. And it's like, how can you serve in the church? How can you take out serving out of this East Wing room into Sunday morning, into your school, whatever? You know, we try to give all the examples. I said, does anybody have a musical talent here? We we would love to get you guys ready for for worship and eventually have a a rocking students band. And we went through like four or five middle school guys that kept saying brass instruments. Oh, they're the only instrument they played. They had pride with it. They're like, yeah. I play the trombone. Yeah, I play the trumpet. Yeah, I play the saxophone. And I'm just like, <laughs> we're gonna have all brass worship. All right, that works. And that became you know Zach and Jared and I and our combined office we have a notebook going which we may have mentioned on the podcast before but we have especially a long catalog of fake band names yeah that sounds like a good band name and so that was instantly one i texted over to them this was the first worship band name we came up with all brass worship oh that's the name all brass worship yeah you've heard of elevation (laughs) worship you've heard of hillsong all brass worship (laughs) i like it i don't know how that would sound well, I think it could sound good. Yeah, maybe Dave Matthews-esque. Yeah, I would like to see... I I, I could see a saxophone on Sunday mornings. Absolutely. Be, I could see that, yeah. I lived with uh, the worship pastor at Western Reserve Grace in Macedonia. Mm-hmm. They let me live there for a cheap price, <laughs> thankfully. Um, when I turned 18, I needed a okay. place to stay. And uh, he, w- he would play the saxophone specifically for Christmas services. Oh, yeah. He'd break it out. Yeah. And go into a saxophone solo. I feel like those are, I, th- I think those are in right now. Because like the whole 80s revival that's going on. Yeah. Even into the 90s. I feel like saxophone survived into the 90s. But Well, he was a big 90s buff. Yeah. Played Full House all the time. Yeah. And um, Prince of Bel-Air was all the time was on it at the house. So, yeah, he he kind of got ahead of where we are now. Yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't huge. Everybody was like, "Okay, this is nice." But yeah, I think. I think now, if you did it now in 2023, I think yeah, people would be really excited about that. Yeah, with yeah. the nostalgia. Oh yeah, yeah. We'll talk to Jared. We'll talk to Jared. Does anybody play saxophone? Have you ever thought about doing like a student takeover Sunday? Like, I guess if you don't have a band, though, it's kind of hard to to fully take over a Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'll say this. If there's parents listening, I would love students to serve through their musical abilities. There are kids that have that, but especially high schoolers are so busy right now. Yeah. So choosing where am I going to play, where where am I going to optimize and maximize the potential of this musical gift? Yeah. We've got schools around here that have excellent music programs, bands, electric orchestras, and so they tend to be in those. and. Mm-hmm. That takes up a lot of their time through practice and performances. So, yeah, yeah hopefully, 
hopefully if somebody's like, oh, I'm in electric orchestra and I'm in band and this and that, and I'm doing lessons over here. We've been saying like, we don't want to steal away, you know, this opportunity you have at school and in your community to do that all together, just so you play in worship band and do the thing where it's like, use that gift for the Lord and the Lord only. Because yeah. I think they can use that gift for the Lord at school and and be in a light in the darkness in their in their school system and in their locker rooms and at their their lunch tables. We want to promote that, but maybe if you're in three things secularly yeah. out in the public school system, maybe just choose one. Yeah, whether that be sports or it be um, band or electric orchestra or whatever. Um, choose one of those things to do to do really, really well and be committed to, but then also use that gift to serve your brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah. But it starts right now. You know, we've got a lot of newer kids, a lot of turnover since COVID. Yeah. A lot of newer kids that are like a lot of people that are newer here at the church in general in 2023. We don't know where they're even at with their faith and their journey. Yeah. Um, and their maturity in Christ, if if they even know what it means to serve Christ with that ability. So we're kind of got to start and, and plant those seeds now, and then hopefully later the harvest comes and yeah, and we have that. I would love to do a student takeover though, um, just just hasn't happened yet. It's, well, it's helpful. At least it's helpful to know too. There are opportunities here. Yeah. Um, because we're you know maybe you're in that spot where you don't have a band, so the students don't see it or the parents don't see it and you think, well, it, you know, they don't want to do it or that, that sort of thing. But there are opportunity, opportunities like there's a desire. Mm -hmm. um, and even, even if it doesn't, you know, maybe it is a brass band. If it doesn't look like, you know, it doesn't look like a Sunday morning, uh, yeah. you know, your standard keys, drums, guitars. Uh, it doesn't have to be that, you know, it doesn't always have to be that. Like we can get creative with it. It is, it is creativity. You can get creative with it, and and Becky Hall, who's involved in our student ministry every week, um, she she has a degree in this. She's she's been on worship teams. She's she's been in the music industry and other um, formats. So she's always helped as kind of like a uh, um and what do you call that? Not an orchestrator, director, a director, yeah, yeah a director role, a conductor. conductor. Even she's yeah. been a conductor when we've had a singer, guitarist, and drummer. I'm um, in tracks. So there's creative ways to do it, but um, you have to be committed, you know, yeah. for say being on the team on a Sunday morning for our Sunday services, you're here midweek for a rehearsal mm -hmm. uh, Tuesday nights, I think every Tuesday night. And then you're going to be here Sunday morning, super early for the sound check and practice. And then you're going to perform two services. And, mm -hmm. and per, at one point it was three services. Yeah. So, right. There's, there's a level of commitment, and I guess when you're a little bit older, like many of our uh, volunteers on, on, in our band uh, on Sunday services, you can kind of figure out your flexibility. You can have the spouse watch the kid. You can drop the kids off in the East Wing. Yeah. But when you're right. a high schooler or middle schooler, and it's like you don't even know your schedule because you're a teenager who has yeah. no clue, yeah. <laughs> and your parents are trying to keep up with the remind chats and their calendars and, and this and that, it's tough to go, hey, you got to be here every week. We've done it before with a small team, but um, yeah, maybe all brass is not just a joke. Maybe it's something we can actually <laughs> try out and do with these four or five middle school students. Yeah. And I've seen that at youth groups around here where I have friends leading in other churches. I've seen it just like three singers and somebody on keyboard, and I'm like, mm -hmm. I wonder what that sounds like, but it, they are 
they are practicing Colossians 3, 16, and 17. We're singing spiritual songs and hymns and psalms over one another. Yeah. I do believe that that is something we're supposed to do as we gather. And so I do feel like that's missing, and I wish it wasn't. Um, and we got to find ways to make it happen. But I do feel comfortable that God has given us great teachers and counselors with those giftings as they lead small groups. And mm-hmm. that's the other half of uh, Colossians 3, 16, and 17. Make sure you teach one another and encourage one another and you're counseling one another through the word of God. And so if we're doing that, then we're on the right track. Yeah, we'll absolutely. Get, we'll get to worship. We're praying for worship to happen. Um, and, you know, we'll send probably a few students. I just found out that Pastor Jared has, it was like a worship training yeah. seminar kind of thing. He's setting up soon in a few months here. Mm-hmm. So I already asked him, hey, can I send some of my students that yeah. have musical talent? You know, if they're not going to perform here in students, because some of them are seniors I'm thinking of, and they're going to graduate, I'll send them with you so at least they get a taste. Yeah. They might have no idea what it looks like to play uh, with a click track. Yeah. And at right. least get that in their ear and yeah, have, we were, have them We were talking about that this morning, actually. Like, there's you know, hobbyists that play might play guitar or something even that just play in their bedroom or play at home, but they've never played in the context of a band. Yeah. And it's like, it's like going from being a home home cook to being a chef at a restaurant, you know, mm-hmm. working in a whole different context. It's it's a different world almost. Yeah. Um, yeah. Definitely takes some assimilation, some training. Yeah. Yeah. Do do garage bands even still exist? Do kids do that still? You're you're over the students. Yeah. Yeah, there was a kid who played guitar a couple times here, but that's the thing. It's like it's like what like acts- I was in garage bands all the time, like through high school, like that was my thing. And yeah, I was connected to that scene, I guess, but I don't, I don't, does that still happen? Do yeah. Th- kids- I mean, it's one example I have. I don't know if it's like, I don't know if it is the, uh, culture that you're talking about yeah. then, but there's still kids that do it. So this kid that played guitar here a few times, he got involved during connect conference 2019. So years ago, right. If I take you long story through the long story and history here when I started five years ago, things started to grow with the ministry. We had musical talent. We had uh, at least a small band for a while. Mm -hmm. We had worship nights and then COVID comes and we're like on zoom for a long time. (laughs) A lot of it's just a couple kids. Then you have the school system splitting kids the best they can to organize between alphabet. So then they like lost their friend if their last name's A and the their last oh, name's Oh, because they went alternating Z. days. Yeah. So a yeah. lot of these kids that would come together as a group, like they're not even friends now and they're yeah. as upperclassmen. And so this one kid, he would come, he loved it here. And he, he you change, you change so much between middle school and high school. Mm-hmm. So he came as probably a seventh or eighth grader to start and was like, yeah, this is awesome. And I heard this great analogy this week where middle schoolers in ministry are like dogs and high schoolers are like cats. And it's so true and so simple. You know, yeah. middle schoolers are like so excited to see you. They pee their pants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they pee a little. They, you got to figure out how to clean it up. You got to, you know, you're just, you're just hanging out with this golden retriever type dog. <laughs> but high school is like, whoa, whoa, this is my space. Like you got to yeah. get out of here. I'll come to you if I need anything. I'll, I'll go do my own thing. And so that's what kind of happened with this young kid, long story short. And um, he came and played guitar a couple times at the end of 2022 and kind of dipped his toe back in, but he just didn't have that same energy. 
didn't have that same desire anymore. And yeah. he's, he's kind of um, faded away yeah. from, from church and playing w- with us here. So that happens, and you can't force him into it. But he definitely has a garage band. He like yeah, okay. he like gigs out as a junior in high school yeah. with oh, this yeah. band. Yeah. 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 It's funny to see the videos of him and like I'm like, I don't even know where he's at. Is he at a bar? <laughs> he's like a seventeen year old kid. Yeah. <laughs> Playing. I think they play some uh, original music, but then they kind of do some tribute stuff too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But their their tribute stuff is late eighties, early nineties, which is so funny. Crowd pleasers. For a oh, seventeen yeah. year old. Yeah. <laughs> In twenty twenty three. Yeah. They'd be that playing is. I don't know. Uh who, who the red hot chili peppers. Well, like that, I don't know what like he like plays. School of Rock uh, over in Westlake, the school of rock where you know they teach kind of I think band. he's involved in that. Yeah. Like yeah. They te- that's the music. Like they teach music from the eighties. They teach like the classic rock and there it is. The eighties and nineties stuff. Like that's that's I mean, that's like the the sweet spot for that, those instruments, you know, like the music today isn't really guitar based. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, there it is. Maybe he does that. Maybe he does. Yeah. School of Rock. When anyway. you do celebrate recovery, what do you guys do for worship? <laughs> well, I'm glad, you, I'm glad you brought that up because there, um, there's opportunity there um, yeah. for anyone who might be interested in, in helping uh, lead worship and serve that way. Yeah. Um, we have we have a dedicated few right now, which I think it'd be nice to grow uh, to let more people get in on the fun, yeah, <laughs> and use their gifts. You know, um, it's also, and I'll say this is also kind of an maybe a stepping stone, or maybe even a little easier than committing to a Sunday. Uh, Sunday can be very intimidating, or just, or as you were just saying, a very big time commitment. Celebrate Recovery is much less time. It's one service. Rehearsals right before service. Uh, anyway, that's my sales pitch for all you musicians <laughs> out there. Monday nights. Um, I mean, it would still. All, I'd still want it to all go through Jared and go through the whole process of getting you involved in the ministry. But yeah. we would love more more hands on deck. Uh, we have a, a committed few right now. We do have somebody that uh, occasionally plays our ukulele. Yeah. Um, uh, but we'll have acoustic guitar a lot. Uh, we'll have um, cajon, you know, acoustic drum sometimes. But most of the time, uh, we have vocalists that are just going up with tracks um, and uh, leading with the track, and um, and it, it goes pretty well to be honest. Yeah. I mean, it's CR is usually a very, um, I'll just say, a very worshipful crowd. They're very. Uh, they're very engaged. They tend to be very focused and just um, love to worship. And so, mm. what if it almost feels like whatever whatever we are able to provide, like they they run with it and they love it and they're good with it because they're just there to worship. Yeah. Um, so um, I'm I'm able to lead worship there sometimes as well, which is fun. I enjoy doing that when I get a chance to. Um, to use that gift because um, I no longer have a garage band. <laughs> as no. much as I want one <laughs> you're still trying though right I'm still trying it's in the background yeah your group chat is still going I'm with just short, a bass player a drummer and a vocalist but <laughs> basically the whole band <laughs> yeah right <laughs> like I don't know much about music but seems like those are necessary <laughs> and maybe a keys player yeah and maybe a keys player yeah oh man well there's another plug oh. anybody out there <laughs> Is this avarice? Uh, avarice? Yeah. Uh, no. Am I saying it wrong again? You are. It's Aravis. Yeah. You'll keep is saying dead. that, right? 
You both do, yeah. Is he saying that about the technology we've created? I I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's welcome everybody. <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, well, welcome to the atrium. Uh, we are down one today, yeah. uh, but we have his blessing to continue. We missed last week uh, due to uh, illness, but uh, we're back at it this week. And Lord willing, Neil will be back next week. Um, but this week we'll soldier on without him. Yeah. My name is Mark. I am the adult pastor here at Hope Christian Church. I oversee adult type things. And you are? I am Chad, and I am the student pastor here at Hope. Blessed to be here. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you for being here. Absolutely. Uh, this is the atrium. We're going to talk about Sunday service, the message, uh, recap that a little bit, um, talk about things going on around the church, and yeah. answer some listener questions today. Um, before we get into Sunday's message, um, Chad, you had it on your heart. You wanted to talk a little bit about um, conferences, yeah, get-togethers. You want to start uh, there? Ministry. Let's okay. start. Yeah, let's start there. Yeah, real quick. Um, you know, I'm gonna do a meeting with youth pastors and youth workers at the end of February, and I was invited to host that and and just talk about using big events in ministry. Oh, that's your topic. That's the topic. Oh, okay, gotcha. And um, talking with the gentleman who's a director in Youth for Christ in Cleveland, I've known for years, and I've gone to these gatherings, these lunches for years, just to network with people and sharpen one another, encourage one another, because we're running in the same lane in youth ministry and, and how to go after uh, kids in this generation and, and share the gospel and what kind of tools we can use. So it's always fun to have a topic and dive in. And so this is the one and talking with him, he was like, you might lose people on this topic right away just because people are so fearful to go to that other side of the pendulum and use a big event. Hmm. It's almost commercializing church. So there's this fear of that. So, you know, you're going to do some conferences this year as you're over adults stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, uh, we have some, yeah, we have some things planned. You have some stuff coming up and, and, um, and obviously some parents have already heard out there. I was, I was out talking to parents already about connect conference this past Sunday. Connect conference is our students conference in the summer for middle schoolers and high schoolers. Um, we have a, kind of a smaller conference called that one team summit I announced on yeah. Sunday. That's just for high school students, um, next month. And so I, I wanted to talk about why do we do that? Why is it valuable? Why is it, uh, why do we believe that it's not against scripture to do? Um, because I think a lot of people are, a lot of ministries are concerned and maybe even, thinking they need to be convicted about not doing an event, a big event to try and draw more people in. Okay. Because of some stuff we've talked about the past few podcasts, like we've talked about David saying, let's go get the ark. Let's go get our good luck charm. We, we haven't sought the Lord in over a generation, like over 70 years. It's yeah. been collecting dust at this one guy's house. Yeah. And we haven't sought the Lord. So it doesn't seem like, he seeks the Lord on it. Mm-hmm. He just says, let's go get the box. Yeah. Let's go get the good luck charm. And everybody says, yeah, that's a great idea. And you brought up um, when everybody gets excited because they've made this, they've brought this idea up and they, they've created it. It's not necessarily a command from God. Mm-hmm. And everybody starts to play worship music. They're playing all kinds of musical instruments, lyres, harps, tambourines, cymbals, and trumpets. 
And so we go, whoa, 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 are we, are we doing this similar thing by bringing a worship band and bringing a, a really powerful dynamic guest speaker and asking kids to come up to the altar or people to come up to the altar and make a decision for Christ? Are we just putting on a party and a show so that we get more numbers? Yeah. And so people are like, we, we definitely should not be about that, so we should not do any of it. Yeah. But, you know, I've been thinking through this, especially since we brought these verses up. I'm like, am I doing that? Yeah. I need to check my heart. I don't I don't want it to I don't want to be violating scripture. But I think it's more so we're trying to do the a modern version, especially for for my context with students of Acts 2, the end of Acts 2. Mm-hmm. Where literally Peter preaches this sermon and 3000 people come to Christ. Mm-hmm. Well, somehow some way those people had to be drawn in. Yeah. In they were in the assembly. And they were there together. Yeah, celebrating <laughs> Pentecost. Yeah, and so they hear this message, and it says that 3,000 came to the Lord that day. Mm-hmm. And that more were added to their number daily. Acts 2.42 then says they devoted themselves. And that's what my desire is. That's what our desire is for conferences. Yeah. That they're drawn in, not like some bait-and-switch thing. Oh, here's the gospel, too. Yeah. You thought there was a comedian and a rapper and right. worship, and we're playing this great music so loudly. But, aha, we got you. The gospel's here, too. No, we're trying to do Acts 2.42. It says they devoted themselves to the Word of God, to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Yeah. And so I think that's what we're doing at conferences. We're saying, yeah. come in together and gather here. And we're going to eat together, we're going to worship together, we're going to open the Word of God together, we're going to draw near to God together, and we're going to fellowship. And fellowship, to me, I don't think, I don't think it's my opinion, it involves fun, it involves levity, yeah. it involves being together and enjoying one another's time. So of course, we're not going to make it boring. Yeah. I asked students on Sunday, like, would you come to Connect Conference if it was just boring? <laughs> If we just made, you know, yeah. if we just made it like nothing fun to do. They were like, no, not at all. I'm like, so yeah, we're going to bring a comedian who loves the Lord and we're going to do these things because it's fun. Yeah. But yes, is there going to be a moments where hopefully God just captures your heart and steals it away from what outside the church, what outside his word has tried to capture your heart, the mm-hmm. lies of the enemy? Yeah, that's what we hope happens. Um, at men's conference, at women's conference, students' conference, whatever. Yeah. So I don't know. That's just been dawning on me, and and I hope that, that you could kind of share some thoughts as to why we do it as well. Yeah, we definitely have um, some conferences coming up in the adult arena as well. Um, we we did a couple last year, one for the men, one for the women, um, and some smaller stuff too, like a men's breakfast. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and part of part of the reason I I like them or I consider there we do them, um, I view it partially as also building building some culture uh, in the church, um, because conferences, uh, these get-togethers, uh, these events that we do, um, it's it's a different way for us to connect than a Sunday morning because. Uh, especially like the men's or women's only event, um, you're going to connect with people that you might not see on a Sunday morning, or at least you don't have, like you don't have your family with you. Like there's guys I want to connect with on Sundays all the time, but they've, you know, the reality is they've got 
four kids hanging on them and and um yeah. and that's the that's their priority as it should be and uh these events allow us just to get together in a different way and there's not necessarily we can have we can carve out time for fellowship and talking and and breaking bread together um and growing in that way and i think um beyond that i think that's like that's the start of 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 culture building. Mm. Uh, and I don't want to use that. That's kind of a cliche in the church to, sure. to, to culture build, but um, we're called to be God's people. And that's a people that's holy. Be holy as I, as I'm holy. And uh, if you look at like the old Testament and the, the covenant relationship, they're called to be called apart as a holy nation of priests. And uh, if we're to be a holy people, we should be a people that's set apart. Holy means set apart. Um, and I think that that includes us serving and strengthening each other and edifying each other. That's the whole purpose of the spiritual gifts is to serve the church, to serve each other, to build each other up, Mm. speaking the truth in love as Ephesians four says. Um, but, but also through encouragement, through edification. And that happens sometimes through fun and through small talk and through, you know, enjoying your time together. Um, you know, it, it's, I've heard that analogy before, like the small talk and, and the the joking around, like that's the glue that um, even though our, our firm foundation is Christ and we are united in the Holy Spirit, um, those little that fills in the cracks and the glue is, is just that relationship that comes through small talk and, you know, having eggs and bacon with each other and spending time. But the the cent, the centrality of it all is the word of god everything everything centers around the the presentation of the word of god as you know as all all of our events should yeah absolutely yeah and and i think too about um s- like providing merch at these conferences too another yeah. thing i was thinking through because as i'm preparing for the summer conference we do t-shirts yeah and it's about motive though still it's mm-hmm. about the motive of that because while I was thinking about this and why do we do big events and needing to have a good reason for this um, this gathering, this lunch we're going to do and training, I was like, God, you know, you flip tables when people were selling stuff in your house. Right. Is that wrong that we're doing merchandise, T-shirts, stuff like that? And then... I, don't know, I just, I just, I sense that, well, we're doing something different with shirts. In fact, that's funny. I'm wearing one right now. I didn't even mean to. This is one of our student shirts. And on the back, it says student driver. And the reason for that was because the last message spoken at Connect Conference 2022 was the action step from the conference. Like you didn't just come here to sit in this chair and enjoy some Chick-fil-A yeah. and hear all of us and then go do nothing. Yeah. You need to drive the mission. We're here to connect people to Jesus, and you guys are just as much a part of that mission as anybody else that may be older than you here. You need to be a student driver who's driving this out into the areas where you're a student, at school, on teams, at lunch tables, etc. And so we can redeem merchandise. We can redeem a T-shirt. Like That's something you're going to see when you go to a concert. Something yeah. you're going to enjoy getting to to remember that experience. So why not do that? But also more than that, give them an action step. Yeah. When when it says connect on the front of the t-shirt on another one we had, that's going to allow opportunity for somebody at school to go, what is that? 
yeah boom you're you're able to talk about connect conference what happened to you what the lord taught you on the back it said one faith because that was the theme of last year boom what's that yeah bring <laughs> you can open up scripture on your phone or your hard copy bible and share oh this is what ephesians says yeah we're pursuing one faith together yeah as the body of christ and then you actually have opportunity to share the good news so these are just things I've been thinking about. We both have conferences coming up this year, um, and, and I wanted to prepare and prepare well to train some people on why yeah. they can be important. They're not essential. Nobody has to do them, but we do believe they're valuable and they don't violate Scripture. Yeah. So thank you for that. Um, yeah, there's a few, but, yeah, there's a few ways that can go wrong, I think. Um, yeah. one, one way is the like kind of, the feeling the need to have them because other churches have them. Right. Um, you know, just, it's just what, you know, what all the cool kids are doing, that kind of feeling. And right. that's not the right motivation. I like going to conferences myself. I, I try to go to one every year somewhere. Same. Yeah. Um, cause to me, they're just very encouraging. Um, they're just a bunch of, a bunch of believers that get together, strangers. I don't know, but still united in the spirit of Christ and uh, just seeing the greater body of Christ um, is very encouraging to me. Uh, I also enjoy them because uh, it's something that I'm not, I don't have my hand in managing at all. <laughs> so, like I can just go uh, and just purely, I guess, drink <laughs> instead of, uh, and, and eat instead of feed. Um, right. Uh, not, not that I have my hands in everything here and that's not fair, but um uh, but I enjoy going to them, yeah. um, and I I try I want to try to provide some of that to our people here as well, because um, I think it is very edifying. It's very encouraging. Yeah. Um, and then, but there's also that temptation to do it one just because other people are doing it, mm. and it feels like oh, this is the next step. It's uh, you know how you grow, uh, which um, isn't necessarily the case. Um, but then there's also, you know, the, the, the concern, the, the threat of just doing it to be like the world, um, because the world does things like this that are events that are very entertaining and, and we're trying to compete with, um, with that. And ultimately we're not going to be able to compete with that mm. because the world, that's, that's the world's wheelhouse, uh, entertainment and, yeah. um, really distraction comfort is i mean that's that's their wheelhouse uh they don't have they don't have the spirit of truth they don't have the word of god that's what we have that's what we have to offer the world and so as long as our events focus on that uh, i think they can be very godly very useful even for drawing people in mm. you know drawing people from outside the church uh, because events like the men's conference or the women's conference or a student conference can be something very easy to invite somebody to beyond even a Sunday morning, mm -hmm. um, people can be a little, maybe they're a little leery or unsure of coming on a Sunday morning. Um, but an event is a little, uh, maybe a little less scary to them for whatever reason, or, yeah. or, you know, maybe they would, wouldn't mind seeing that, you know, that comedian, uh, or, uh, a certain speaker that we have coming in that sort of thing. Um, so they can be outreach, outreach events, which is, which is certainly a good thing. Um, because it gives us as a church an opportunity to serve the world, to, to serve uh, those coming in our doors. Yeah, those are some really great points. Always take inventory of why you're doing what you're doing. Does this line up with the mission 
we're connecting people to Jesus. And I hope that these conferences are doing that. Yeah. And you should be able to sense, is this something that I'm supposed to do? Is this something that our ministry should be doing? Yeah. And it, it, you, you could answer, our ministry could do this. Like your church could be resourced to do something like this, but you should be asking, should we more than could we? Yeah. Because we can always, if we have the resources, manufacture this. Yeah. But should we be doing it because we're hoping that the fruit is going to be honoring to the Lord? That's the end all be all, yeah. I think. So those are some great points. You shared the save the date for the women's conference yeah. coming in March. Yeah, I'd like to do that again. Yeah, when is that again? Um, March 25th. Um, that's a Saturday. Uh, that'll be the women's conference. Uh, Registration is going to open in February for that. We have a guest speaker coming in from Arizona. Um, super excited for it. It's starting to come together. And um, that's all the details I have right now. It's going to be an awesome day. But yeah. save the date for March 25th, all you ladies. Uh, I think February 19th is when registration will open. And okay. we'll, we'll have all the details and all that good stuff. But yeah. And the men's conference is... The men's conference hasn't been announced yet. Yeah. We're shooting for early May. Um, yeah, more early details May. on that will come. But like the first weekend of May. But this Saturday is like... Uh suddenly becoming the size yeah, of a men's conference. Man. So we've, <laughs> the got, men's breakfast. Yeah, we've got a men's breakfast on Saturday that uh, you're, we'd love to have you men <laughs> put one last plug in. This should be out before the breakfast. Um, yeah. Yeah. Join us on Saturday, eight o'clock. We're going to have a breakfast, uh, break bread together, um, get together, hang out. Um, and, uh, and it's been very, registration has been very popular. Absolutely. <laughs> we This is our second one we've done, at least, uh, I'll just say post-COVID, uh, yeah. we've, the second one we've done. Uh, the first one, we had about 35 guys, and we had a great time and decided to do it again. And um, right now, registration is at 108. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so God, is, God has blessed that. Uh, I think the guys are craving some fellowship and... Um, yeah, we're going to get together and have some bacon. <laughs> Come for the bacon, stay for the fellowship. Yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> so That's awesome. So save the dates for those. As I mentioned earlier, uh, some students' conferences coming for high schoolers, but we're also inviting current eighth graders uh, to the One Team Summit. That is February 26th, 4 to 8 p.m., so you can register on our events page, hopechristianchurch.com slash events. And then we did open the Connect Conference 2023 oh, registration nice. as well. So a few of you signed up already on Sunday just by the word of mouth uh, sharing of that. So you can also sign up right away. The early bird discount's already happening, and that'll happen all the way through the summer. <laughs> all the way until all the, way till the Connect event. Conference. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> so that's coming August 4th and 5th. That'll be 6 to 10 p.m. on Friday, August 4th, and Saturday, August 5th. Very excited for these things coming up. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, you're ahead of the game. You got registration open already for August. That's amazing. Well, and that's why I opened it up on Sunday. It was because God kind of gave what we needed already. The yeah. speakers have committed um, one of our performers has committed, a comedian has committed, yeah. has committed. So, yeah. and you can read all about that on the description yeah. when you go there. I'm, I'm still waiting for my invite. Your invite. You can yeah. come for free. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, I thought, yeah, I thought you're not in uh, my invite to speak. I guess it's, Oh, your invite to speak. I'll yeah. I'll check my spam oh, folder. Man, I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> check your spam. 
<laughs> I'm going to hold a rival conference. <laughs> going to hold it in the yeah, parking lot. When were those dates again? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> See who can get more. My garage band has a show that night. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have faith that I'll have a keyboard <laughs> yeah. player, a drummer, and everybody else. And I a need. saxophone. I'll even have a saxophone by then. Yeah, top that. Yeah. Well, tell us about uh, Sunday. You got to preach on Sunday. It was very, yeah. very good. Um, so my age comes up a lot on this podcast, mm. um, more than I'd care for it too, but... Um, <laughs> My, I had a birthday last week. My birthday yeah. was last Wednesday, and uh, I woke up to my dad, of course, the first one awake probably in the world, um, texting me happy birthday. And then the next text I received was that ne- from Neil saying he was <laughs> happy birthday down for the count and not going oh. to be able to preach on Sunday seemingly. So uh, he asked if I could jump in, and uh, and I did. I was more than happy to. Um, but Neil was plan had planned to wrap up the Now What series on Sunday, the final week of it, um, and it, it being that late in the week, he had his message was already ready. Um, so uh, he'll bring that the next time he comes back, uh, hopefully, Lord willing, this Sunday. Um, so I had the option to do a one off, just you know, uh, on whatever or. Um, well, it was basically that was it. <laughs> it was like, can you preach a Sunday? Yes or no? Yes. All right. Good luck. <laughs> um, creative freedom. Yeah, creative freedom. That's the better way to put it. Um, but so ironic, or I think ironically enough, the previous Sunday when Neil was preaching, um, the Lord put something on my heart that day, and I'm not saying it was because I knew that it was you know I was going to be preaching the next week out of out of turn or anything, but. Uh, I just I had this thought when he was preaching last week when he was talking about uh, those who live by the Spirit focus on the things of the Spirit from Romans eight five and I just remember that Sunday sitting there I was just thinking the things of the Spirit that's a very vague expression you know that that uh, that needs a little unpacking um, and and uh, Neil likely was going to be doing that <laughs> that Sunday. Uh, so I hope I didn't step on his toes, but I took that, um, I took that expression, the things of the spirit and I unpacked it on Sunday. Um, it being Wednesday when I got the word, like I had, I had enough time to, to study it and put it together. Um, at least put something together and kind of look at the things of the spirit that we are to focus on. And I started by talking about our theme for the year, live by the spirit and with Neil's focus, Neil's focus last Sunday being on focusing on us worshiping, being true worshipers in spirit and truth, we should focus inwardly on spirit and truth and the things of the spirit. So um, I unpack the things of the spirit by first looking at the at who at the person of the Holy Spirit, who is the Holy Spirit, um, hopefully to dispel some of the mystique around the Holy Spirit, some of the confusion around the Holy Spirit and who he is. Uh, and then and then the second half of my message, I kind of unpacked the priorities of the Spirit, and that's what I called the things of the Spirit. From Isaiah 11, uh, where we get this profile, Isaiah 11, chapter, or chapter 11, verses 1 and 2, we get this little, little picture, uh, almost, almost like a resume of who the Holy Spirit is and kind of his character and his priorities. 
And so uh, I was able to unpack that on Sunday and hopefully give a little direction to what it means when we say the things of the Spirit. So that's that was the title of the message, and that's like the most generic. I don't think she ever used the word thing in a title for a sermon, but the things of the Spirit is is was taken from Romans 8, 5. And so that was the direction, and and ultimately I uh, I took it back to I went back through the woman at the well, which Neil had talked about that that week before, and um, that idea of living water that uh, you drink of and you'll never thirst again. Jesus started that picture there at the at the woman at the well, with the woman at the well, and then it's developed later when he says, uh, "Everyone who comes and believes in me, everyone who comes to me will have." rivers of living water flowing out of their heart uh, again a, a still a very mysterious statement and mm. um and john in chapter seven of john he, he kind of explains what that means he's referring to the holy spirit that's going to come later and so uh i i i lined out three rivers of living water that should be flowing from our hearts um based on isaiah 11 verses one and two uh, inwardly to refresh us and transform us. Uh, it should also be flowing among us as a church family, mm. as the body of Christ, and then it should also be flowing outward uh, to the world because uh, those are the three priorities we see the Holy Spirit accomplishing um, in Scripture. Uh, scripture, The Scripture does have a lot to say about the Holy Spirit, and um, I think a lot of our confusion isn't really necessary. You know, um, I'm not saying it, we can understand it. In fact, I mean, we could, I was kind of hoping to preach again next week just to continue unpacking like yeah. more of, I made a comment about like the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Like I, I, I barely even touched on that. I like mentioned it and I was like, that's about all I can say about today. Like, that's all I have time for. I'm already running over on time. Yeah. Um, like the pneumatology series. Exactly. Like that's <laughs> like pneumatology. Like that's a college course. So yeah. I, I tried to pack in, what I could in that time. Um, and hopefully, hopefully it, it will put our, our hearts at rest a little bit to know who the Holy spirit is and know, uh, what his priorities are, know what he's after. And then that's what we focus on. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's living by the spirit is focusing on what he focuses on. So, um, yeah. And it was, it ended up being like kind of in the series, but also still a little bit of a one-off kind of an offshoot. Right. Kind of a part B to Neil's uh, a little bit. Um, but yeah. It fit in really nice. My favorite highlight was you pointing out that this rivers of flowing water is a poetic expression. It's this dynamic, beautiful yeah. poetic expression by this writer. And uh, yeah, I just loved that because it gives you this great picture. It's what Jesus does. He uses something that you know, and you, and you pointed out the three rivers around Pittsburgh. Yeah, <laughs> as another, you went like a, a layer deeper with it to <laughs> yeah. something more modern that somebody could picture about flowing water, yeah. three rivers into one, and um, and just bringing that 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 to the forefront that Jesus uses these things that we can see on the daily that we know of to express and describe the things of the spirit and the things yeah. of the kingdom of God yeah. that we cannot see. Um, but, but certainly as he gives us a wonderful counselor, we can sense his presence yeah. in our lives. So yeah, really great job. And I think it fit in so well as a part B. So it was meant to be. 
Meant to be. As it were. <laughs> Almost as if God is in control. <laughs> Almost as if God is in control, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I'll get there. I'll mature there one day. That's where I understand. <laughs> yes. No, very good. Thank you. All right. That was Sunday. Um, word is, though, uh, Neil should be back this coming Sunday. That's the word on the street. So I keep texting um, him every single day. It's a new day, <laughs> praying that you get better. And he's just been like, nope. <laughs> so I haven't texted him yet today, but we'll see um, how him and the family are. Uh, yeah, we're not. I'm not. We won't put him on the spot and call him. That's something he would do. <laughs> Space time him in. <laughs> We've got Neil on the line here. <laughs> <Our first. laughs> Skype him in. There you go. Skype. That's probably an outdated reference. Does, does Skype still a thing? Uh, somehow, yeah. Somewhere along the way, Zoom took over. I'm sure you can Skype, but it's like the MySpace of yeah video <laughs> communication now for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into um, let's get into our listener questions. Uh, we have three today. I think we can get to all of them. Yeah. I think we. Uh, I think we can make. It. If not, we. Can. There's always next week. Um, so uh, let's start with uh, this one because I'm I'm super glad this this question was asked because it it actually was something I was going to say on Sunday and talk about on Sunday. Um, but I ended up cutting for time. Um, it was actually very, it's very related to Sunday's message and regarding the Holy Spirit. Uh, it says this, I'm studying the book of Acts, and I'm currently in Acts 8, which tells of the Samaritans receiving the Holy Spirit. Prior to this, in Acts 8, 12, it tells of both men and women Samaritans who had heard Philip preach the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, and then they believed and were baptized. Then in Acts 8, 14 to 17, it reads, Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. When they came down, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for still he had come on none of them. They were only baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they, being the apostles, laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. The listener says, I am confused as to why Peter and John had to come to Samaria to pray and lay hands upon new believers in order that they may receive the Holy Spirit. I thought I understood that we receive the Holy Spirit at the point of our acceptance and belief that Jesus is our Lord and Savior who died for our sins and was resurrected and that baptism is the outward testimony of that belief. Why did the new believers in Samaria not receive the Holy Spirit at the point of their acceptance and belief? Thank you for answering my questions and for everything you do. So that's a great question, and I actually almost talked about this on Sunday, but uh, I had to cut it um, for time. But now here it's coming up again. This is why we do the atrium. Almost, yeah, this is exactly why we do the atrium. Um, so in Acts chapter 8, we get this account where uh, Philip has gone to Samaria, and he's preached the gospel, and people have believed the gospel. And... Uh, we get this account that we're told that they believed, but they did not receive the Holy Spirit. And uh, we get this account, and sh this is she's pointing this out because um, it seems odd because it is odd. It's odd as in this situation is actually unique. Mm -hmm. This isn't the same as it's been up to this point. Uh, in fact, that's why this story is in Acts chapter 8, because it's not usual. Something's different here. Something's going, something's going different differently. Uh, I want to go back to Acts chapter 1, actually, 
And I read this verse on Sunday, and I said this verse um, is an outline for the the whole book of the book of Acts. Uh, Jesus says, "You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth." Acts one eight. This is Acts one eight. Yeah. Now, if you look. Uh, I was focusing on the first part about the power of the Holy Spirit to be uh, uh, gospel spreading. Uh, that's a focus of the Holy Spirit is to spread the gospel, and that's the focus of the book of Acts. But if you look at the second half of the verse, it says, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria mm. and to the end of the earth. And that acts as an outline for the book of Acts. Right. The first seven chapters of Acts focuses on Jerusalem and in all Judea. Jerusalem is where the apostles started, and Judea is kind of the surrounding province. Jerusalem and Judea are the Jewish areas, primarily where Jesus taught. So that's where the gospel started, mm-hmm. and that's where the gospel ministry started after after Jesus left. Pentecost happened in Jerusalem and in the surrounding areas where the apostles started teaching and proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now you get to chapter 8, and it's the second part of the outline. First, Jerusalem and Judea. Now the second part in Samaria. In Acts chapter 8, Philip proclaims Christ in Samaria. And we this is a significant transition in the in the the spread of the gospel because we have to remember that that Jesus came through the Israelites through the Jewish people and uh, we know that the gospel is for everyone at the time though the disciples the apostles they knew we think they knew um, but still there was this uh, impression there was still this idea uh, a lot of the church the early disciples uh, weren't so sure they thought that the kingdom of God was for Israel and that the gospel that they were adopting would be for Israel as well. So the gospel of Jesus Christ, they like the the message, the mission is to go to all the Jews and preach the gospel that they'll become Christian. Now, really, the greater focus is what Jesus said. You're going to start in Jerusalem and Judea, go to Samaria, go to the ends of the earth, and as I said on Sunday, all the way out to Avon. Mm-hmm. So, and Samaria couldn't have been more opposite than Jerusalem in historical cultural um, definition. Yeah, so Samaria, Samaria, and and the and the Israelites, the Jews, Samaritans and Jews don't get along. Right, and the reason for that uh, goes back to the Old Testament. Um, basically, um, during the exile, there were certain Jews that intermarried with the foreigners, and they brought back intermarried families, and that was that was uh, against God's law. That they were told not to do that, and so. Uh, we have the Samaritans are this group of people that are, they have this Jewish heritage, but they also have this heritage that's not Jewish, that's that's foreign, and they're, they're a mix of it. So they're kind of Jewish, but they're also kind of not. And there's a lot of enmity between them and the Jewish people. They don't recognize Jerusalem as their capital. They have their own capital. Um but they still have the lineage of Abraham somewhat. Mm. So they're they're kind of... Jewish, but they're also kind of not. And we know that they don't get along. We're, we're just told that. In fact, it goes back to the woman at the well. She was a Samaritan. Uh, and it was odd for Jesus to even be talking to her. We're, we're told that in John 4. Right. He said, 
you know, Jewish people don't deal with Samaritans. So it was odd for Jesus to be talking to a woman, first of all, but it was also odd that she was a Samaritan woman. Mm -hmm. But even in that, we see Jesus pointing to the fact that the gospel is going to come to the Samaritans. It's going to come to the rest of the world. Jesus said, my focus is on the, on the Jews. I'm coming to the, the Israelites, but eventually it's going to spread out to the whole world. Amen. So here in Acts 8, we have like the next step in the spread of the gospel. And the, the, the gospel's gone to Samaria, to the Samaritans, and, and they've believed. It's been accepted. So this is a significant point in gospel history. And I think this is why we have a unique event. This is something that uh, would be unexpected to a lot of people. Like they, they wouldn't necessarily expect the Samaritans to accept the gospel. Um, so what we have here is we have the situation where they don't receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, but what, what happens is the apostles come to them. And the apostles themselves, Philip, remember, he wasn't an apostle. But the apostles come to the situation and they have to lay their hands on them for them to receive the Holy Spirit. Now, that doesn't make this laying on of hands, that's not uh, normative, as in this is how the only way the Holy Spirit is transferred, is, is you can receive the Holy Spirit. Um, it's it, Because there's other instances, that's just not the case. That's why this is in here. This is a unique situation. I think what's going on here is that this is confirmation for the apostles that they're there, they're witnessing this, and that they're they're seeing the Samaritans are being accept, they're accepting the gospel, and that they should be accepted into the church. Yeah. Uh, remember, the Samaritans and the Jews had a divide; they didn't they didn't answer to the same people, and so this is going to avoid first of all the apostles in Jerusalem, uh, you know, going their way, and then the Samaritans going their own way, maybe even establishing a new church. Uh, this is a way for the Samaritans to uh, accept the, that that role of authority, but accept the the uh, the message that there is only one church. Um, but also for the apostles to see that the Samaritan, the, they're they're one of us now too. Yeah, you know, this is going to break down all that history, all that all that former animosity that uh, these two people groups have had. They're going to be united now by the Holy Spirit. They're going to be united in the gospel. And so we see the gospel go from Jerusalem and Judea now to Samaria. And now in a few chapters, we're going to see it go to the ends of the earth too. When we see Cornelius and to the listener who's in Acts, you're going to get there in just a few chapters. In Acts 10. Yeah, there you go. You're going to see another unique situation. And it's not quite the same, but it also is unique. Instead of them getting believing and being baptized and not getting the Holy Spirit, the opposite happens. Mm. They receive the Holy Spirit, but they haven't been baptized yet. And so we get that account as well, because it's another, like, something weird's going on here. This isn't how it usually works. And what we see is that uh, Cornelius and his household uh, believe the gospel, and that is showing the apostles, that's showing us, it's showing everybody that now the message is not going just to the Jews, not just to the Samaritans, but now to the Gentiles, to mm. everybody, to the ends of the earth, like we read in Acts chapter 1-8. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. That's a great explanation. Um, I would just add on that this is highlighting um, the inclusivity of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And 
the reorienting of all these people, the Jewish people who thought this is only for us. Yeah. And that's what you're going to see in Acts 10. Peter's already seen this. He's seen thousands of people. He saw 3,000 come to the Lord after one sermon. Yeah. And then we're seeing that outline, like you said, where it's going to go to Jerusalem, Judea, then Samaria. And he's seen even the Samaritans now uh, come to the Lord and be included. And then in Acts 10, he's still he's still surprised. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> God is still turning the Titanic around in their story. Yeah. They go, no, no, no. It's like... You got to come back over here and and re- remember the the power of the gospel. It's going to Jews and the Gentiles, and um, and what we're explaining here to hopefully quell the confusion of the listener is there's no two step verification yeah. for you to have the Holy Spirit. <laughs> right, like you got baptized. Oh, but wait, somebody with authority has to now lay their hands right. on you, and exactly. now you receive the Holy Spirit. Mark's correct. You know, he's sharing this very clearly that this is a um, this is a one off. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's gone is... at the point of Cornelius. It's gone to the Gentiles. It's gone to the yeah. end of the earth. There's nowhere further for it to go. <laughs> we right. are we are the Gentiles. Um, so these are unique one off instances in the book of. I think that's why they're in there mm-hmm. to demonstrate what's happening, the significance of what's happening, all the way back yeah. to Abraham. Uh, Abraham was promised that through the Israelites, all the nations would be blessed. You know, the the promised Savior was going to bless all the nations. And throughout the Old Testament, we see hints and references that the gospel is going to go to everybody. Yeah. The, the Jewish people first, the Israelites first, yes, but eventually all the nations will receive the gospel. Yeah. And that's what's happening. That's what's happening in the book of Acts. Well, it's very unique because how many hundreds of years in the... Hebrew heritage, did they wait upon prophecy to be answered yeah. and fulfilled? And then like this one, as this is being written, it's like almost real time. Oh, yeah. So you're you're in Acts 1, 8, yeah. here's the prophecy, Acts 2, it's happening. Yeah. <laughs> Acts 2, 42, 3,000 in Jerusalem come to faith, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Oh, and that's another thing I was going to say here. I'm glad I brought up Acts 2 earlier in the podcast, because what you said is so indicative of that going over to Acts 8. So the Samaritans need to see that the apostles' teaching is the revelation of Christ, yeah. and to trust them as authority on on the teachings of Christ, um, and it's the word of God. Yeah. So it says in Acts two forty two that these people who come to faith they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, mm-hmm. to fellowship, to prayer, to the breaking of bread, and that's what they're supposed to do now as the church. Yeah. And now that's happened in Jerusalem, then Judea, and now in Acts eight, the Samaritans also need that. Um, I guess, stamp on the apostles as the apostles' teaching needs to be what they gather around Mm -hmm. as now they're not just um, Israelites and Samaritans. It's not just their culture. Now they embody the culture of the kingdom of God. Yeah. Now they belong to a country that they, that doesn't, it's not here. Yeah. They belong to a country that that's heavenly. Yeah. And now they need to remember they both belong to that. They all belong to that um, in the future and I guess in the now too, as they await the coming kingdom of God in its fullness. Yeah. So yeah, that's really exciting stuff. You don't, but at the same time, this doesn't mean that these people were saved because, oh wait, we got to get the apostles over here to make sure. Yeah. (laughs) They got it. It's, you know, we go back to the gospels, you're saved and your confession uh, of Christ as your savior. Yeah. Right. Um, Say out loud with, with your words, um, confess, your confession of Christ. Yeah. That's how you're saved. 
Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that question. Very I, good. Yeah. I'm glad we got to unpack that. Uh, they actually had another question we'll go ahead and, and tackle um, on another topic. It says, I was hoping to get your thoughts relating to a conversation I got into regarding an individual's charitable contributions and tax deductions. Mm. I believe that all our money comes from God and belongs to God and that we are to give freely and wholeheartedly to others in obedience to God. Even though worldly law may allow for us to declare tax deductions and ch on charitable donations, should we? To me, it would be akin to taking some or all of the money back that we have donated. And it also seems to contradict Jesus' instructions of giving freely and giving quietly without declaring our act of giving. What are your thoughts and guidance on this? All right. So the question is, kind of should we declare our charitable giving donations on our tax returns? Mm -hmm. um, I will say yes or no. <laughs> <laughs> you've yes got to tune no. in to next podcast <laughs> <laughs> yeah join our patreon if you'd like to <laughs> set up so the paywall should we declare tax deductions on charitable donations uh, i'll start here so she said to to her to me it would be akin to taking some or all of the money back that we've donated and it also seems to contradict jesus instructions of giving freely uh, let me address the first part of that, of taking some of the money back. Uh, so say say you give um, you give $100 to a charitable donation. Uh, you give them that money. They have it. Um, now, when tax tax time comes and, uh, you know, you report your income and what you owe, you do it according to the, the tax code. Um, as Christians, we're to be above reproach, um, and that's it area that's very easily i think ignored or maybe the the lines are blurred a bit mm. um but to be above reproach i think we're to follow the tax code um the tax code allows for deductions on charitable giving yeah. and that includes you know giving to your church giving to nonprofits giving to whatever that's legal that's allowed the law of the land allows you to um to do that it doesn't reduce the hundred the hundred dollars you gave to the charity. You're not getting any of that donation back. You're not getting any of that money back. Mm. What it's doing is it's decreasing the amount that the government is going to take from your taxes. Mm -hmm. So I, I I don't view it as you're giving you're getting that money back. I view it as you're being charged by the government less. Um, and it's perfectly legal. It's allowed. the the tax The tax code allows it. Is that okay? Yes, I think that's okay. I think that's fine. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. I think Caesar allows for that, and that's fine. Um, now, the second part says it seems to contradict Jesus' instructions of giving freely and giving quietly without declaring our act of giving. Um, I think she's talking about Matthew 6. Uh, it says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. 
I think that's what she's referring to uh, when she's talking about giving freely. Uh, he says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Uh, but the focus of that of that um, section um, from the Sermon on the Mount is not to be doing your righteous deeds in front of other people to be praised by them, not to be flaunting what you're doing, not to be, be, not to be showy about what you're doing, uh, especially when giving money, when donating or, or whatever. Um, so the question is, it, does that count if I declare it on my taxes? Because somebody knows about it. It's not, no longer anonymous. Um, I, I, would say, I would say that's not what you're doing. I don't think you, when you fill out your taxes and you put that on your taxes, you're not going to the IRS. You're not doing that to go to the IRS and say, look at this. Look at what I did. I donated so much money this year. I don't think you're doing that typically with a, a heart of showiness to, to demonstrate how amazing you are. Um, I think that's different than what Jesus is saying as far as going to people on the street, basically people in your life, people that you know, and saying, look, this is what I gave. You know, I, you know, look at how much I give. I, you know, I donated this wing to the hospital, that sort of thing. Um, I don't think that I don't think that's necessarily the same thing he's talking about mm -hmm. having an IRS agent know that you donated such and such amount of money. But I will say this. Um if you are convicted and you feel like that is 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 too much, you want it to be anonymous, you want it to be completely secret uh because uh, you want the the father to see it and you're convicted that way then I think absolutely you should not claim it on your taxes. I think that can be God honoring. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. But I don't I don't think we're I don't think we're restricted to that. I don't think we're called to necessarily not not do that. I think it is okay to do that on your taxes. Um but it get, it goes back to the motive. Maybe you are doing it and you're putting it on there to to show off to the IRS how much money you give or or even just your H&R block rep, you know. <laughs> Uh, if that's your focus or that's why you do it, then that's the wrong motivation. You're not giving freely. Uh, you're doing it for your your righteous deeds to be seen. And if that's the case, then they they have been seen. And you will get thrown out of H&R Block. <laughs> <laughs> I declare tithing. <laughs> I declare. Um, but if you have a, a conviction about it, I, I think you need to follow that conviction. Amen. I know. I know people... I know God honoring people that do not declare on their taxes their charitable giving for this reason. Mm -hmm. And I fully support that. And I know people who do declare their um their charitable giving and I, I support that as well. Yeah. So um yeah, it's a matter of the heart. Yeah. I would say. What are your thoughts on it? I don't have much more to add, but um I do think of later on in Matthew, Matthew twenty three. Uh, Jesus is calling out the folks who are kind of letting their righteous deeds, their tithing be known to the public yeah. as kind of a big deal. And he says, uh, woe to you Pharisees who are tithing your mint, dill, and cumin. Yeah. They're tithing this uh, valuable min minutia yeah. <laughs> and, and letting it be known, but they're neglecting, he says, the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. So as long as you're giving that $100, for example, yeah. with a heart of seeking 
God's justice, mercy, and faithfulness to yeah. be brought about in this world, yeah, then you're you've got the right matter of the heart. Yeah, because you don't want to get to the point where you're you become self righteous. Right. Like, I don't I don't claim my charitable giving mm-hmm. on my taxes, and and you hold that over someone else's head. Yeah. That then it's the exact situation the Pharisees who yeah. are tithing their mint and their dill. Um, I I could you could also suggest this if um you say you gave a hundred dollars to an organization and that saved you ten dollars on your taxes you can take that ten dollars back and, and give, use it again give it back to the organization <laughs> and give them a hundred and ten dollars right um I think that could be very god honoring as well oh yeah um as long as you don't get to that point well y- then you know you're at risk of well I've I taxed it, you know, I got the tax break and I gave it back and, and you can get self-righteous for that. That's, I think like the example you gave of tithing the mint and the dill and every little penny pinching that you're tithing on just to, um, to basically depend on your works, depend on your works for your righteousness. Say I'm doing, I'm doing this so well. God is God. You have to be pleased with me. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. I like it. I think that'll help some people. Uh, right, that are listening right now that just got their W two statements back. It is that time of year. That's that's so that's so true. I always yeah. say I have a I always have a Valentine's Day date with my uh my tax guy. It's always right around February fourteenth. I always it just ends up being yeah. Um, yeah. Brand, Brandy's like uh you were supposed to take me out. Like, <laughs> let's see what the tax guy says first. I like my tax guy. <laughs> let's, let's see what the tax man says this year. That's right. Am I up? Uh, yeah, let's go on to the third question here. All right. Yes, this comes in from a different listener who says, Neil, Mark, and Jared. Those are the three they address. <laughs> Chad over here. Is, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So obviously, like we said, Neil can't be here today. Um, Jared is producing. He helped us out getting this thing going today. Um, but I'll gladly take the question uh, with Pastor Mark here. The listener says, congrats on the new baby boy. That's also meant for Jared. (laughs) (laughs) We'll tell Jared. All right, here we go. Here's the question. (laughs) I have been single for a while and wonder why I am single. There was a life-changing event that crippled me emotionally, loss of a loved one. I'm slowly learning and starting to walk again, and through this storm, my heart has found love, joy, kindness, gentleness, hope, and peace. The what if, here's their, uh, the, the real crux of their question, what if I'm single to devote my time to the church, to give up my freedom, independence, to serve the church? I do serve at Hope. They mention 1 Corinthians 7, 8 says, To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. Thanks for the medicine of laughter. There we go. So let's <laughs> get into this singleness question. Yeah. Um, a little little one-off. Uh, I think uh, I just a few weeks ago asked the students if they were dating. <laughs> I'm sure that went well. Right, right on the stage. You, just ask them if they're dating each other. <laughs> <laughs> just get right at it. You guys all dating? Yeah. <laughs> good. good. <laughs> no, dating each other in here, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> no, but but hope high. You know, you've got more. I shouldn't say there's more, actually. There are probably more middle school students who think they're dating, but <laughs> <laughs> hope high students, you know, they raise their hand. And, and, and you know, I think there there is some validity to that. There are some real high school sweetheart stories that yeah. are very yeah. awesome. 
Um, oh, but yeah. when, when the middle school students held their hands up in sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, I'm like, come on. Has <laughs> he got a car? Like, <laughs> where is he drive, taking yeah, you? Was, yeah. <laughs> come on. It's not real. You're not really dating. Um, so, so they're, they're trying to make sure they're not single for whatever reason. Oh, Valentine's day is coming up. Val- they definitely don't want to be in yeah. the, with their tax guy for Valentine's day, <laughs> <laughs> these kids, <laughs> but, but that's just an aside. So, so I want to just really encourage this listener. Um, it sounds like you've gone through a lot and it sounds like through this storm, God is carrying you. He's being the God of all comfort. He's giving you a peace that transcends all understanding over this stuff some, some things that you can't control with these life-changing events um, and wondering and, and just diving into to those, those, that internal dialogue of why am I single? Am I supposed to be? Am I called to singleness? Um, and, and amidst all that probable frustration uh, and confusion and when the waves could be throwing you to and fro, you seem to be steady and you're still serving in the church. Yeah which is, in my opinion, in my experience, rare. So thank you. <laughs> thank you yeah, for, for keeping your heart aimed toward the Lord um, and, and seeking Him in all of this. So I'll just say that first and foremost. Um, I see this in Luke eight fifteen. what's going on for you here. It's talking about the parable of the sower when, the, when God's good word, which is the scattered seed in the story, is going out. And some of it lands on the pathway. It never even lands in soil. And so the enemy has the opportunity to steal the momentum away, steal the good word away. Then it lands in rocky soil or thorn, thorny soil. And in the rocky soil, you know, it just doesn't, both of those, they really don't have the opportunity to grow into maturity. Yeah, It's choked out or, or some other thing in life has has, um, yeah, just stolen away the good news through distraction or confusion. And so this happens in many uh, a case similar to yours, but it seems that you're in the good soil as you're standing firm. And it says, the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. And so in your singleness, you are producing, even if you don't know it yet, a huge harvest to come in your own spiritual life, your personal growth in Christ, and rivers of flowing water. You're, mm. It's going to be flowing outwardly. It's going to be affecting those around you as you maintain this attitude of Christ and you continue with him. So I want to encourage you there. Um, so you say, let me see here. You say, what if I'm single to devote my time to the church to give up my freedom and independence to serve the church? And I would say to that, instead of digging for the reason, deal with the reality. You're, you've got to deal with the reality of the singleness. And, and you bring up 1 Corinthians 7, 8, which I'll get to in a moment. But Philippians 2, 1 through 5 came to mind for this listener as well, um, which says, is which is kind of a what-if statement. You bring up this what-if statement, what if I'm single to devote my time to the church? Yeah. And this is kind of the what-if statement of the New Testament. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves, don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude 
that Christ Jesus had. It's basically an if-then statement. Yeah. If Christ is among you, if the Spirit is there, if the Spirit is present, if if the fruit of the Spirit is evident, then continue on in these things. So yeah. that's first and foremost what I want to share with the listener. You're exhibiting this, and you you got to keep going. You got to keep going on. Instead of digging for the reason why am I single, deal with the reality that I'm single. And this is what I need to continue in and remain consistent in if I'm going to keep growing in my tr- maturity in Christ. Right. And so that brings me to 1 Corinthians 7 8. And what I would say to that, as you mentioned this, for kind of your reason for maybe I'm single to devote myself to the church. Um, instead of digging for that reason again, let's deal with the reality. Um, there are verses before and after verse 8 that I want to look at. You say again, to the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. Well, go a few verses before to verse 6. It says, I say this as a concession, not as a command, but I wish everyone were single just as I am, yet each person has a special gift from God of one kind or another. So Paul goes on a few verses later to specifically say some commands of God. Yeah. But before, right in this verse, he says, this isn't a command, but it's my preference for people. Yeah. This is what I would like people to do. It's my wish for all to be single. Then all your time can go toward kingdom work like me, is basically yeah. what he's saying. And, and and that resonates with me because I'm married. I have a son. And so now you're committed to a whole nother person. Yeah. The marriage covenant, you belong to this person. You're now one instead of you're not you're now one as two people instead of one and just by yourself with all the time to yourself to do what you want. Yeah. And I think that's what Paul is getting at here. Like, I get to spend all my time spreading the good news, using the gifts that God has given me to build the kingdom and share the good news and see people come to Christ. So, you know, in my context as a student pastor, there's certain basketball games, football games, choir concerts, whatever, I can't go to at 7 p.m. at night because, man, this is the night I need to spend with my wife and kid. Yeah, I can't go to everything. I can do so much. But if I was single, I think about this sometimes, and every youth pastor would, I would be at everything yeah, because this is what we're passionate about. But we've got to balance both. So in your singleness, deal with the reality that you have all this time and you're not committed to somebody in marriage or as a parent where you can use the gifts, the serving gifts it seems like you have to keep serving the church. And that's an exciting thing. Um, But he goes on to say, and I'll read verse 8 again, So I say to those who aren't married and to widows, it is better to stay unmarried just as I am. But go to verse 9. Paul says, but if they can't control themselves, they should go ahead and marry. It's better to marry than to burn with lust. So it seems like he says in these verses, like he says in verse 7, each person has a special gift from God of one kind or another. There are those, it seems Paul is saying, that have certain gifts from God and more grace than others uh, to be able to live a life of singleness. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know a, a gentleman named Ed Lewis who runs Momentum Youth Conference. He's an older gentleman, probably in his 70s now. He's never been married, and his entire life has been dedicated to urban ministry in West Philadelphia and to developing Momentum Youth Conference. Mm, those conferences. Those conferences again, mm. right? 
Um, and he does wonderful work. Dude is so energetic. He's just built different. Like you can see it's evident. The spirit, the presence of God is just, you know, it's wild in his life um, to choose what he he is doing with his life. Yeah. Um, because he's built that way. He has a certain gift that I don't have. Yeah. I really wanted to marry my wife. <laughs> so I knew I don't have the desire that Ed has. <laughs> and she um, finally agreed to it. And she finally... <laughs> Thank you, Mark. <laughs> Great commentary on this one today. Um, but yeah, so more people, I think, have the uh, more grace is given to them to be able to yeah. to live that single life. Yeah. Um, but there are those who are going to burn with the passion to have companionship. And so I don't know your whole story. I only have this question in front of me. If you have been burning for the companionship, and it feels like I don't have that grace, that gift that Ed has. I'm, I just feel stuck. He, Paul is literally saying, go ahead and marry. And so for those, if that is you, I would be praying for that companion. Yeah. I'd be praying for the right person to come into your life on God's timing for that to happen. But if it resonated more with you that you're like, you know what? I do love just serving the church and using my gifts for the kingdom of God, and I don't have this burning desire to have a companion, then that's all the more reason to keep um, dealing with the current reality that you're single, but you have an opportunity to, to serve the kingdom and build the kingdom in a dynamic way right now. Yeah. 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 I'll just add a couple quick things. Um, and again, we don't know your whole story, but from what the question says here, uh, it says, I'm slowly learning slash starting to walk again uh, at, after the loss of the loved one. Um, and through this storm, my heart has found love, joy, kindness, gentleness, hope, and peace. And that's great because she's, you know, she's, she can recognize that fruit of the spirit being displayed in her life. Mm -hmm. um, but that language, I'm slowly learning, starting to walk again. Um, she's, gr she's grieving. And, you know, the grief process is, it can take it can take three to five years is what they usually say, mm. if not longer. Uh, it's it's a heavy thing, and this one particularly just seems like it, it's hit really hard. Um, and, and in her own language, she said, "I'm slowly learning, just starting to walk again." Yeah. So maybe maybe just maybe just wait a little bit. Yeah. You know, recognize maybe maybe God's waiting on you, not waiting on you, but just waiting to grow you a little bit more yeah, to get you a little, maybe a little farther removed. Um, not, not just walking, but maybe at a point of jogging or running and yeah. a little bit more back to yourself. Um, that's good. Don't feel like you have to have that, you know, I need to decide right now, am I going to be single the rest of my life or am I going to be married? Um, cause it sounds like she might still be processing some things and dealing with some things and you don't have to have all the answers today. Um, that's some good general counsel to just get some miles under your belt. Yeah. If all this has happened in your life and, and it, I love that God has given you the grace right now to realize I'm slowly walking through these things. Yeah. I think about that word in Luke eight fifteen. Those who cling to God's word and they they aim their hearts toward toward God again, they're the ones who produce a huge harvest. Yeah, they patiently produce a huge harvest. Is the word right there? That's the adjective that you've got to focus on. Patiently produce a huge harvest. God is patiently producing a huge harvest in you, and and will do so through the to those around you through you, and um, just keep being patient in the church and in our in our own lives our personal lives we want things to go so fast in our culture 
I just want my personal life and want my personal health to get quick right away to app to actually accept grieving typically takes three to five years. All right. I got to be in this for the long haul and see what God does in the next three to five years. Yeah. That's great wisdom. Thanks, Mark. Yeah. And the last thing I'll say is just, uh, in the meantime, you know, lean into the church, uh, the spirit, there's one body and one spirit. I Mm. read on Sunday, one church, one spirit. And we have been put into that body for a reason because we need each other. We need, uh, that, that, that kind of family flowing river of, of living water that I talked about. Yeah. Lean into the church for now, maybe particularly not necessarily serving, serving. Yeah, for sure. That's a great way to connect, uh, but also just lean into those relationships, you know, yeah. get, a, get receiving, a, get in a small group or just yeah. get, find some people that'll pray with you and, um, and fellowship in that way. Uh, it, it's, it's, uh, something you can lean into in a time like this. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for that. Absolutely. All right. We made it. We we survived. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for the medicine of laughter. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. Uh, thank you. Yeah. I try. Uh, I don't know. What, uh, what should we wrap up on? Uh, what kind of coffee are you drinking? Um, this is uh, this is Hope's Blend. The Hope Blend? The Hope Blend. There yeah. you go. The, the AirPod? Yeah, the the, uh, the good old trusty AirPod that we have every day. I yeah. ran out of the coffee yesterday. You got me a oh, while yeah? back. Red yeah. Rooster. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was very sad. <laughs> pouring pouring the last few beans into my <laughs> grinder. Yeah. Right. Oh, no. Single tear down my face. <laughs> yeah. It's always sad when uh, you're, the gourmet coffee runs out. Yep. So that, that recently happened to me. So pray for me. <laughs> <laughs> pray for more Red Rooster in your life. Yeah, I've got the uh, off-brand coffee going. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The Aldi brand. Yeah, we did that. We do that at home. Well, we've been doing yeah. Dunkin' lately at home. Yeah. It and makes me realize that I have uh, a tolerance to coffee. It's not good. Tolerance. <laughs> I'm like, I'm doing so many scoops of the Aldi coffee. I'm like, it's doing nothing to me. <laughs> just, I need He's in there scooping the coffee, just like <laughs> eating the grounds and just chewing on them throughout, like, throughout the day. Yeah, I like that Jim Carrey Grinch scene. He's chewing on the bottle. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good year. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Yeah, I think that's it. Uh, yeah. Next week. Lord willing, Neil will be back with us. Come on. Um, yeah. Uh, so thanks for listening. Um, if you want to submit a question, please do. We love your questions. You yes. can submit them um, through email to podcast at hopechristianchurch.com. Uh, you can also text them to 440-HOPE-222. So that's 440-4673. Two two two. If you want to text them, and we'll get them that way, and uh, yeah. maybe it'll be uh, featured as on uh, on the next episode. There we go. Till next time. All right. Thank you. Bye.